What would our world be without leaders, innovators, and kingdom builders? Welcome to Under the Crown, where you get inside the twisted minds of our host, Trey Carmichael, and the kings and queens in his circle. Covering leadership, marketing, sales, recruiting, management, and so much more. Under the Crown is here to help you build your kingdom. Are you prepared for the siege? What's going on, guys? It's your man here, Trey Carmichael, coming at you with another episode of Under the Crown. Today, I've got my man, Kale, here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and why you do it for the, man, for the people who don't know you, man? Yeah. Hey, dude, appreciate it. Uh, first of all, for having me on your show, it's a pleasure. I love when I get the opportunity to uh, be on podcasts and, and just kind of share anything I can to hopefully bring value to other entrepreneurs out there. I assume your show is is like more entrepreneurial focused and that's what I live and what I breathe, man. So um, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be here. So I appreciate it. But um, to answer your first question, um, I've been on this mission for about 16 years now um, to give a little bit of background on me and, and what that mission is, is, <clears throat> man, I'm just like, I'm a nobody that grew up poor, you know, grew up like really struggling. Um, but always had like the desire to, to be rich. See, my family grew up with, with extreme money problems and uh, it was, it was brutal fights in our home about money. So naturally as I became older, I thought money's going to solve all problems. Right. And, and I've learned that, that that's not true, but however, money is very powerful. And uh, my, my dad was a business owner and um, well, still is to this day, but he, he was very unorganized and he was very careless with his money. Um, and uh, man, we had like the IRS come in our home and, and uh, literally take everything. You know, they leaned his home. They garnished my mom's paychecks at her job. They levied their bank accounts, his and hers, you know, like, oh, it was crazy. You know, like they, they, it was forced them to where they, he could only work for cash under the table. And, uh, and so I heard this battle my entire upbringing. And I thought, man, first of all, I'm going to be rich, but I don't know how, because I do not want to be a business owner. Well, luckily, and ironically, I, uh, I got a job doing sales at an accounting firm. And uh, I quickly became very passionate about that. Uh, because of the problems in the upbringing. So I made it my mission to like understand everything about accounting because I realized like, hey, my, you know, my the IRS wasn't the problem. My dad was the problem. And so, you know, I got really passionate about not just making money, but helping people solve their problems with money, right? Like helping them create the systems and the processes around their money to actually elevate their lives. Because in our society, it just is what it is. Money is a tool and it's a very valuable tool. If you want to be a great giver, you've got to have money in order to do it. If you want to be a great, you know, entrepreneur to serve other people and, you know, like uh, give opportunities to other people, you like money's just always going to aid in all of those things. And so our mission here at our company is, you know, we make a difference in people's lives. Um, but 
we also are changing the standard of accounting and uh, because accounting is broken in our country it's it's broken in our in our society uh, they don't even speak the same language business owners just go out and do what they do which is make money um, and they want to just continue doing the duties to do that they never get their financials in order and it, it causes problems in their life just like my father maybe not to that level for everybody but it causes problems it holds them back in so many areas and so our mission is literally change the standard in accounting and make a difference in people's homes and uh, that's the mission that we that we're continuing to try and evolve here in our company um, but I'm very entrepreneurial just like you Trey like I'm always out trying to do multiple things I got podcasts I've got masterminds I've got credit repair company I've got the accounting company and all of them revolve around mission mission vision and values and that's how every company that's been successful has has been ran and you know they continuously evolve as well uh, but that that's a little background about me and what i'm up to and why i'm doing what i'm doing so i hope that answers your first question okay i love that man sounds like you've got an insane amount of stuff going on i'd love to know what some of the mindset shifts that you went through from going from i don't want to own a business to now having your hands in so many different projects yeah, dude, the mindset shift was was being just a sales guy at that accounting firm and having that idea of like, holy crap, man, like, like, I can be a business owner if I just don't make the same mistakes that my dad made. If I take my money seriously, like I can go really far because I've always been like, I've always been entrepreneurial, man. I, I was the kid that, you know, created candy stands and I was the kid that, you know, like I used to actually in middle school, I didn't even like smoking weed, but I started selling weed because other kids liked it. Right. Like I was always like, I was always finding ways to like make money. I loved the idea of commerce and exchanging like, you know, products and stuff like that. And so I quickly learned as a kid that I didn't want to be a drug dealer though. So uh, I didn't continue down that journey, but the mindset shift was really just my, the example of my dad. Um, I wanted to hustle. I did want to be a business owner. I just didn't want those problems. And so when I realized like, I don't have to have those problems, you know, like I've learned so much about how money works and how to be structured and flow your money and how proper accounting looks. Like I was like, okay, it gave me the confidence to then start my own business. Awesome, man. So if you had a newer entrepreneur come to you that maybe they don't have any money systems in their business, they really don't know where to start, what would be the first couple things that you'd tell them to look at and start implementing? Yeah, first, very first thing I'd say is like, dude, you know what, this is not like the funnest thing to do, but you got to start with creating a budget and budgets are very hard for business owners, right? Because it's like, we don't know what we make every single month, but you can utilize tools in order to get your books in order and then get, get your books in order and get those feeds dialed in, take the averages and then take your business or your personal expenses as well. Your personal nowadays with software, like you can get your bank feeds for your personal accounts and you can get your bank feeds for your business accounts. And then if you can go get your books in order, the very foundation of things is your books and people neglect it. Like it's like this low level thing. It's not a low level thing. Your books are so dang valuable and they need to have the right plan. They need to have the right chart of accounts so that you have the data to run your business at scale. And I'm all about teaching people how to scale their lives, not just their business, because most entrepreneurs, they have multiple businesses. They have multiple streams of incomes. They want to become investors, which is another stream of income. And so you've got to get the foundation of your first thing first. 
And that is your books for your one business and then your budget for your personal life that coincides with your business books. And so you get those things and then you can go ahead and add all the other things as you grow. But I've seen so many business owners that they just run and gun, man, and they get multiple businesses going and they're successful. But at some point, they either hit a ceiling or they implode because they can't make decisions. They can't keep up with it. And then when they start hitting growing pains and they've got to start investing back into their business for scale, they can't do it because they don't know their numbers. They don't know what they can keep up with. And it gets them in a lot of trouble. Or I see business owners that finally start making great money, you know, like 10 grand a month, 20 grand a month, six figures a month. And they're like, man, I'm, I'm killing it. I'm going to start investing. They get into real estate stocks. They start investing into, you know, private equity firms, all these things. And then they get their tax bill at the end of the year. And they're like, holy crap, I owe six figures, seven figures to the IRS, but I spent it all into these investments and my money's tied up. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this hole. Now they're paying penalties and interest to the IRS. And you know what I mean? Like, that's just like one example that we see. We see all kinds of problems around the money, but it doesn't have to be that way. And even if it's messy right now, having the discipline to get the right people to sit down and actually build the budget and build your books the right way that they need to be will give you the ability to scale your business with clarity. Mm. So what are the most important numbers for an entrepreneur to be looking at month to month? Well, I mean, I mean, that really depends on their business, but obviously they've got to be looking at their, their gross revenues and their net revenues and then where that money is coming from. Like, um, I, like you gotta, you gotta look at like just the marketing bucket, for example, one business might have five different marketing buckets. And if you don't have your numbers set up properly in tracking categories of where that money's coming from and what you're spending on each one, then you really can't gauge like, okay, well, well, should I double down on this campaign? Should I get another billboard? Should I go all in on growing my call center? Like what marketing channel is actually bringing not just the most revenue, but the most profit? And so I think those are very, very important numbers to look at, you know, is, is like, where am I getting the most profit? And so breaking things down into those tracking categories is really, really important. But then also on the other end is like the liabilities, right? Like how much is an employee actually costing you? Like, $20 an hour, $4,000 a month. No, you're also matching payroll and payroll taxes. And you've, you've got the cost of workman's comp and you got all these things. So what is an employee actually costing you? And what are they actually producing for you? So once you actually know those types of things, now you can start making decisions. And when you know like, hey, this, this employee over here, it seems like I'm netting a lot more on him. How can I get more people like him? Right. And that goes with your customers, too. Hey, these types of customers are sticking around a lot longer and they're less of a headache. So how do I get more of that customer? So all of this stuff, your business that you want to scale, that you want to grow, your numbers are so valuable because that helps you identify what your best customers are, your best employees are, so that you can now create those target audiences. You can start creating those target employees, those those dream ones, because there's always more of them out there. And if you know, like instead of just hiring anybody and hiring warm bodies or just taking any customer now, because you have good numbers, you can actually look at and say, hey, I want to model my ideal customer after the ideal customers that I have and start going after more of that and less of the ones that don't work for me. And that works with employees and it works with and it works with customers. And so your numbers are really important even to have that type of data. So becoming very obsessed with those numbers 
And getting a good foundation is going to give you the clarity of like, what, what do I need more of to make my life better and the people in my organization's life better? Because we all know, man, like one bad apple in your employee, like in your, in your ecosystem of your company, I mean, that, that, that can wreak havoc and you might not know until it's like really too late. And when you've got a handful of those people in there, you got those cancers in there, like you got to get them out of there. So tracking your numbers is going to actually help you even in those areas, like identify what are, what are my dream clients? What are my dream employees? So that you can actually design what type of company and culture that you want with the right people. Mm. So what are some of the software and tools that you're recommending to business owners these days to track these things? Um, so first of all, like there are really cool um, budgeting software out there. I haven't found one that works for entrepreneurs that well. I'm actually thinking about creating it. Um, but there's like Truebill, which I think is cool. Um, and then there's Mint, which I think is cool. And that's on the budgeting side, right? But honestly, did I want to create it to where if there's something that can pull the data properly from your books and then also your bank feeds from your personal life and then give an entrepreneur their true net, like what their net is, even after their uh, projected tax liabilities. Well, then, and then business owners can actually start investing properly in their life too, like with their, with their like assets, right? So people that want to go out and buy real estate, they want to go become an investor in their life, you know, like if they can actually know what their true net is, because most business owners, like, you know, even the ones that do budget just okay, like they, they don't really actually know what their true net is. So that's actually something that we have on our queue right now is to create our own software, because right now we use spreadsheets and we have some really, really, really cool budgeting spreadsheets that we use for the books. And then we go link it up with the personal side and get the bank feeds to create like a pretty good true net. But we want to create a software that does it like all the way uh, to the T, right? And so, um, and it's going to involve like really getting your accountant involved, but then also getting all your personal expenditures in order as well. So those softwares are pretty cool. On the on the, on the the business side, like, um, you know, like QuickBooks is like the goat, right? Like they've got they QuickBooks online. It's got like all the accessibility and it's got the convenience for all the business owners and you can do your invoice. You can do all that stuff right there from that. And, and some people find it too difficult, can be a little bit messy. Zero, which is spelled with an X, it's X-E-R-O. We service a ton of our clients in Zero, And that one's been awesome um, because it does all the same thing QuickBooks does. But they actually have cool open source APIs that can link up with like your HubSpot or your CRMs and your inventory software. So there's multiple softwares that obviously go into running a business. So Xero and QuickBooks are the best as far as connecting with those. And so I usually recommend people stick with one of those. Xero is a little more user friendly, you know, like. You got your PC guys and you got your Apple guys. People like Apple because it's like more user friendly. They've dumbed it down for people. And Zero's kind of done that for uh, for bookkeeping. So so those are cool. And then it links up with like your mileage IQ and your mileage softwares and all that stuff to really make sure that your 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 um, numbers are there, right? So it's like all it's all synced up so that it can all be in one place. And so those are the two that I recommend on the bookkeeping side. But Awesome, man. So a lot of people out there, they're very, very good at what they're good at, uh, what they're good at, but they don't want to think about the numbers. They don't want to always be thinking about that. What questions should they be asking the financial professionals to make sure that they have the right person managing their books? 
Dude, I'm so glad you asked that question. That's such a great question. And I, I don't know if this is kind of how you envisioned our podcast going was like just talking about all the numbers stuff. I do get passionate about it. So that happens and I can talk on entrepreneurship and all that stuff too. But this is such a valuable question because every business owner, like 95% of them, they don't geek out on the numbers and the softwares and getting their financials in order and double entry accounting. And they don't, they don't want to do that. And I don't blame them. And so when you're going out and you're looking for a solution, because you know how important it is, right? Like we've talked about how important it is to get all these numbers so that you can have clarity in your business and really scale it, but they don't want to do the work, right? And so they could go hire a bookkeeper. They could go hire an outsized bookkeeper. They could go hire a cool, you know, CPA uh, to do the tax returns. That's really like a wizard with tax returns and all that exists. But there's problems when it's all spread out. And we see it all the time. Like, first of all, there's CPAs that are like, eh, I don't like doing books. So go hire a bookkeeper and I'll just do your taxes at the end of the year. So that's a recipe for disaster because your bookkeeper is not going to set up your chart of accounts to actually be like match your tax plan. Like they're going to do what they know. And then your CPA is going to do what they know. And then your CPA is going to start questioning your bookkeeper. Like, why is he categorizing or she or she categorizing like this as this when I would have done it like that. And so I think that business owners should keep their books and their, their, their accounting, their, their, their tax returns and their tax planning all under one roof with one team. Okay. And there's a lot of firms that don't do that, but there are firms that do do that. And then the second biggest thing on top of doing that, like making sure that it's all under one roof is make sure that that firm has systems and processes in place to help hold you as the business owner accountable to get them what they need. So like here, and we're not even accepting new clients because we're kind of at capacity right now. And we're on this big recruiting right now to bring more clients on. So I'm not just saying this for people to come hire us and reach out to us at Easier Accounting. But what I am saying, and people can, they can reach out to us. We'll let them know when we're bringing on new clients. But what I am saying is ask them, say, what are you going to do to make sure I get you what you need to do your job. And a really good accounting firm is going to say, hey, we have systems and processes in place to, to help hold you accountable to get us what we need. And if you can't do it, then we need to drop you as a client because we don't want you pointing the finger back at us when you're unhappy with your tax liability, when you're unhappy with the numbers in your business, because your accounting team can do nothing without you being involved in doing your part as the business owner. And like, I have some clients where they, they task it out to like their secretaries or their right hand or their executive assistants. And that's great. We can get a lot from those people, but it's still going to require you and no one's going to care more about your money than you. So if you can't get on a call with your accountant once a month, your CPA, and just answer questions, let them know what you got going on. Like this market's been crazy. Like People are buying Lamborghinis and they're increasing in value so quick that they flip their Lamborghini and then they go buy a new one, right? And they're doing it with houses, they're doing it with watches. And so like your accountant isn't going to know that stuff if you don't get on the phone and talk to him and know what kind of tax liability that is. And once he has a good idea of what your business is doing, but then you're out running and gunning, you're flipping stuff, you're creating new businesses, and then you're not communicating with your accountant, that's on you as the business owner. And so my advice to people is when they're hiring a new accountant is make sure they have those systems and processes to hold you accountable and that they will truly drop you as a client if you're not doing your part because it is a recipe for disaster. And so we make it mandatory for our accountants to 
always have a scheduled appointment with their client every single month. Even if it's a 10 minute check-in, hey, everything's good. There's nothing new going on. Cool. Well, can you just answer these questions on these unrecognized transactions in your books and I'll close them out and get you your P&Ls for the month? Yeah, sure. Great. Cool. That's a five to 10 minute call. And that's going to save you hours and hours and hours for you and your accountant at tax time by having everything in order. But it's going to require the accounting firm having the systems and processes to do that and hold the client accountable and actually do it. And then it's going to require the customer, the business owner, to show up for those, answer the questions, and be involved with your accountant. You really want to unload the burden of having to do it all yourself or being stressed about it or having it be a mess? It's going to take you doing your part, and it's going to take the accounting firm to have those systems in place. So they need to ask those questions. That's the most important thing. Now, from there, as your business levels up, well, there's always levels to tax planning and game planning with your money, you know, and so that might change. Like, the, the firm might need to bring in like their top dog once you start hitting certain levels and you might start having incorporating, you know, business trusts and foundation trusts and, you know, like that, all that stuff at the top level game in order to get you to those lower tax liabilities. But if you're never going to get there, if you don't have a good foundation of you being involved and the accounting firm having the systems in place. Awesome, man. I love that you touch on that accountability aspect, because I think that that all that that ultimately applies to any industry that you want to hire out to because as a marketing agency we have people that hire us all the time and then they don't really send much content they don't shoot any video and then they're wondering why we're not producing video and it's like how are we supposed to create video for you and your company as us that's not that's just not how that works like you can't just magically walk in and do their books for them all the time they have to provide you what you need to do it yeah, that's a great lesson just for entrepreneurship alone in every bucket, man, is like you need to live with your calendar, man, like put it on your calendar to do content creation, put it on your calendar to, to meet with your accountant every single month, like make it a priority in your calendar and stick to it. And that's the only way you're going to have some freedom in your life, man, like, you know, like you, you can't just have this mess all the time and like just like taking calls and just taking what comes at you all the time you're just gonna get by doing that like get diligent with actually structuring your day put it in your calendar and live by it cool you want to take a vacation put it on the calendar you want to check out with your family and just get good quality family time in great put it in your calendar but yeah you're absolutely right trey you can't you can't produce results for people when they're not sending you the content and they can't get you content if they're not putting on their calendar to actually create it. And so it's on our calendar, man. Your podcast today was on my calendar. So I'm here, right? We have on our calendar to do our own podcast. We have it on our calendar to shoot videos. Uh, we have interviews scheduled. We have all that stuff. So if you're our marketing agency, we have plenty of content that we're going to get you because that's a priority here in our company. You can't change the world without marketing, man. And you can't change your marketing without the right content. And so that needs to be a priority on your calendar, just like your numbers, just like your financials, you know? So business owners need to be better at that if they want to change the game for themselves. Ooh, absolutely, man. And I love that you mentioned calendar because we're coming up to being about four minutes away from the allotted time that we had. However, I did have a couple other questions I wanted to ask you. So I want to ask, did you have a hard stop or do you have time for a couple more questions? Oh, yeah, I got time. Awesome, man. So I wanted to lean into the team building aspects. You mentioned it before. Hiring the wrong person is going to cost you a shitload of money in the long run. 
So what have you implemented personally to hire better people and build an actual company culture? Yeah, man. Oh, first of all, it, it starts with you just becoming really honest with yourself. Okay. And, and that's with almost every bucket of business, like business owners are awesome, but like visionaries like myself that are creators, like we're not the, usually we're not the best with like, you know, systems and processes. We're not good in operations and we're not good, you know, in certain areas, but we're really great at like handling big clients and closing deals and structuring the vision and, and all of that great stuff. Right. Um, Your job as like the visionary or the creator of a company is to sell your vision to the right people. And you've got to become really honest with yourself on what you're not the best at and hire better than yourself at that. And so, and that's scary. It requires you putting yourself out there. Like I just hired a new CEO here in our company, you know, and, and Trev and I had to get really honest with ourselves, you know, like, dude, we are not the best at operations. So we went and hired somebody that is where we want to go, not where we're at. And you hear that a lot out in the entrepreneur space, hire for where you're going, not where you're at. And if people haven't heard that, great. I'm glad to be able to deliver that to people because that's some of the, you have to grasp that concept. Hire for where you're going, not where you're at. You are not, if you haven't exited a $500 million company, but that's something that you want to do one day, then you need to hire somebody that's done that. And going out and, and having that conversation with people at that level can be scary. But if you really believe in your mission and you can sell that mission to them, they will get on board with it. And that's exactly what we just recently did three months ago. We brought a guy named Devin. He's exited multiple companies, some of them for over $350 million. um, And he's exited over three companies. And he's not a company creator. He's an operational guy. He's a brain. And so he is the guy that people recruited and brought in because he knows the metrics to get to that level. And so that was an intimidating conversation, man. Like I'm looking at this guy like he's above me because he's further along than me, you know? And now this guy's in here running our company because he believes in our vision. And we, and we have a vision that we're off, authentic to. We have a mission that we're authentic to. And so it really requires that, man. People believe in that passion. People believe in that authenticity. And so you need to grasp hiring for where you're going, not where you're at. And you need to be willing to put yourself out there and have those conversations with people that are further along with you, despite how further, how, how them being further along than you or not. And the reason it's scary is because you always, you always, are your worst critic. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, man, my company's nowhere near that. Like, they're not going to take me serious. You sell yourself all this bullshit to not have the conversation. And then you, and then you sell yourself like, well, I'm going to have the conversation with people like that when I get a little closer, you know, and they'll take me more serious. And that's bullshit. You'll never get to that point when you have those conversations with yourself. So you got to be really honest with yourself. And then you've got to be like willing to just have those conversations. And if you're not there yet, and that, and that CEO guy or that executive level guy or whoever it is that you're trying to hire to bring in your company because um, you're building your team that way, like they'll, they'll let you know, like you're, you're, not, you're not quite where you need to be yet to hire me, but like, I love what you're doing here. Let me give you some advice. And people want to help other people, man. So like have the conversation, even if you're not there yet, if you have an opportunity to talk to a guy doing $10 million a year, but you're only doing one, have that conversation with them. It could lead to something great. And that's how we've been able to build our teams with better people. And then the people that stick with us, man, we like, we truly 
want to make millionaires here in this company. So the leaders that were here with us early on, and they're not even at the level to run the company for where we're going. And we have to bring in people further along than them. They have the humility because we talk to them about it. Like, hey, we're bringing these people in. Yes, I'd love to have hired within. Yes, I'd love to have like had you be my operations guy or our COO or our CEO, but you're not there yet. You're not there yet because I'm not there yet. But guess what? You're going to be there because we're going to bring this type of leadership in so that you can learn from it. And then when we do exit this company one day, whether it's five years, eight years and all this stuff, there's going to be a piece of that for you at the end. We created phantom ownership for the people that stick with us to the end. So we're selling our vision to that level of our team and they're bought in on it. So you got to you got to create your core people and you got to continuously sell them your vision and what's in it for them. And then you got to back that up. Like when I exit this company one day, which I will do. Because that's what I want to do. I want to I want to change the game of accounting. I want accounting firms to start copying what we're doing because it's it is the way that it needs to be done. And then when it gets to that point and we exit this thing for 500 million, a billion, whatever it is, my benchmark is at least 500 million. There's some key people here that I'm going to make millionaires with that with that exit. And so. Um, so to answer your question, bro, there's a lot of things when it comes to your team building is like create your core people, sell that vision to them, sell it and be convicted that you're going to back that up and then have the conversations with those with those people that are further along with you so that you can always bring in talent better than you. I was the sales guy. I was also the operations guy. I was also the marketing guy. Like I've wore all the hats, man. And like every single time I have an opportunity to replace myself with someone better than me, I do it. Kaysen runs our sales team now. Tyler runs our operations of our sales team now. And I, I replace myself with them. And guess what? They do a better job than I do. Andrew runs our operations now. He's better than I do. Devin's our CEO now. He's way further along than I am now. And it takes a lot of humility for you as the creator of the company to just be honest with yourself and say, okay, I'm going to replace myself at every opportunity I can once they prove themselves to be better than myself. Now, guess what? If you are like, man, I don't know if I can hire a $300,000 a year executive, but that's what I need right now. Well, they don't cost you $300,000 a year. Their job is to take you to the next level. So if you bring somebody in for two, three months and they're just not matching your culture, they're not bought in on your vision, guess what? You get rid of them. They didn't cost you $300,000. They costed you maybe $40,000, however, however many months that you had them there, right? $50,000, $80,000. And does that suck? Yeah. But when you get the right guy... They're not going to cost you $300,000 on that salary. They're going to be bringing millions of dollars more in for you or helping you retain millions more within your company so that you continue that growth. And so that's probably the best advice I could give somebody being what I've been through and even some stuff I've been going through very recently. That's the best advice I can give somebody on team building. Awesome, man. And I love that you mentioned that y'all really thrive in the visionary role and how y'all went out and found the integrator or the operator mm -hmm. based on that being where y'all needed because just just yesterday i was having a conversation with one of my best friends luchi and we were kicking around the idea of there being kind of a triad of characteristics that are needed within every organization to make them as successful as possible whether it's across three different partners or one to two people that share these three characteristics. But at the end of the day, we came to the conclusion that every company needs a visionary, an integrator, and a commander. Yep. The visionary that has that crazy vision of everything, 
the integrator that manages everything, analyzes everything, and makes sure that everything's actually working effectively and systematically. Yeah. And then the commander that goes out there and recruits people and onboards people and actually leads your team at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah, dude, that's so true, man. And I'm glad you brought that up because what we, what I, what, one of the reasons things got messy for us recently is because we had really good systems for just, you know, for what Trev and I created and our customers were happy. Well, then we started getting complaints and we started losing customers and, and it wasn't equaling what we wanted our missions, our mission. It wasn't backing up our mission, man. It wasn't backing up our values. And so we're like, okay, cool. We got to, we got to make some changes. Our systems are broken because we've outgrown them and, and we tried to fix them ourselves and we realized it wasn't working. So that's why we had to go out and bring somebody in better than us. And it takes the humility to, to and the, those honest conversations and hard conversations, especially when you have partners, dude. And since you brought up that you have partners, like, I mean, just know as you guys go down the road and, and things kind of get beyond your level, it's going to require some hard conversations because even when you're a person that's like aware of your ego and all that stuff, it doesn't mean your ego is completely gone. And sometimes it's really important for people to, uh, to like, to, to like think that they've got to be the hero to bring it to the finish line. Uh, but man, sometimes it requires hard conversations to say, Hey dude, it's not you anymore. And I had to have that conversation with Trevor. I'm like, bro, that's not you anymore. Like, like you're a badass, but like, you or me, like we're not figuring this out. So we've got to be able to do, we've got to be able to do what we got to do. And that's bringing some people that have, that know the metrics to take it to the next level that have done what we haven't done. And so those were tough, man. Those were tough conversations to have. And, and both of us get to a point of actually saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to take a strategic step back here. We're going to take less pay. We're going to, we're going to take, you know, the hit with our team and let them know it's not them, you know? So there was a lot of hard, honest conversations we had to have in order to like get to this point. But what is still important for you to do if you're the creator of your company, okay? And if you are the creator of your company, most likely you are the visionary of your company is every department. So you talked about the commander. Tell me the three again, the commander, the visionary. The visionary, the integrator, and the commander. Yeah. So all three of you guys are going to have your own visions. They're never going to be 100%, right? Like the, the commander is going to have a vision for his area, you know, and the integrator is going to have visions for his area. Like, I want my company to run like this, right? And the visionary is going to have this, this uh, multiple visions because that's what visionaries do. So it's very, very, very important for you to have a collective vision that you're all on board with. So you can all have your own visions within your departments, right? And those are going to be ever evolving and it's tough at times, but you've got to have a collective vision for us. And I, and I, I just had this conversation about two months ago with my team. I brought everyone together. I created this board. I had my assistant create this board that has 300 magnets on it. And I said, over the next, or no, 100 magnets on it. And it's, they're these little round magnets and they're broken up into three years. Okay. So uh, 33 accountants a year is what we need to fill up. Okay. I said, this is our collective vision. Okay, like we have different visions for our systems and our operations and our sales departments. We have all these different visions and we want our leaders to be able to have those visions. But this, guys, is our collective vision because it affects everybody, right? We have to have very talented, high-level accountants completely full, okay? And what, every time we fill up another accountant, we're going to go move one of these magnets in the spot that it's supposed to be. Now, we're probably not going to hire 33 accountants this year, but next year we're going to catch fire. 
And the year after that, we're going to catch fire. But at the end of three years, the collective vision is that we're going to have these 100 accountants completely full, which equals 7,000 customers. Because we already know the average accountant here can handle 70 customers very well. They have a bookkeeper on their team. They have an assistant on their team to help them keep these 70 accountants completely full. Those 70 clients, I mean, for each accountant, on average, our clients pay us about 700 bucks a month. So we started doing the math and everything. We're like, okay, the collective vision is 100 accountants completely full, which equals 7,000 clients, which equals $60 million a year in top line revenue, not even counting all of our other buckets of revenue. But this bucket affects everybody because sales, Sales is affected when people get canceled because they don't have an effective accountant or an accountant's overloaded. So we had to do like this whole collective vision to figure out our averages and what the what the three-year vision really looks like and what how many accountants we really need to fill up and what quality that they need to be at. And so that's the collective vision that we've all bought into. So when we come to our leadership meetings, it's like, okay, how many accountants did we add? Are they How full are they? Are, do they still have capacity? Are some willing to take on 80 or 100 clients and they are able to do it effectively? Because some people are, but some are only able to handle 50. You know, and so anyway, we all have this collective vision now of like what our benchmarks are. And it's not necessarily about the money, you know, like that's that's like what we're using as a measurement, but it's not really about the money, Trey. It's really about the quality. And for whatever reason, we realized that filling up a hundred accountants is what gets us to those numbers, which changes the game for everybody internally. Some of our leaders at that point will be making a million dollars a year, you know, and so that it's all money-based, but it's not. It's making a difference in our employees' lives. It's making a difference in our clients' lives by measuring it that way and creating a collective vision. So if you're the visionary, Trey, it's your job to create a collective vision on top of all the other visions that go on in each department or each other head role that you're having within your ecosystem and your company. And so that's my advice to you personally and anybody that's listening is if you're the visionary of your company, you've got to create that collective vision and make sure everybody is bought in on that, but then still give them the freedom to have their own visions and, and create within their own departments. Mm. That is one of the reoccurring themes and messages that I've been seeing and experiencing talking to people is that you need to have a clear vision for people to follow and stay within, but you also have to be willing to sit down and shut up when these experts that you bring in tell you that there's a better way to do it because that is why you brought them in. Yeah, it's true. And it's hard and it's hard, but you just, you have to stay, you have to keep it at the, at the focus point and you just gotta, you just gotta be good at it, man. Like you just gotta practice it even when it's hard. Like I see Trevor over there because Trevor, man, he's even more like, um, uh, what is the word? I don't know what to say, but like he, he just loves to communicate. Like he's a talker. He loves to control the conversation and, and that's not a bad thing, but I see him over there like biting his tongue, you know, and I'm doing it too, you know, and it's tough, but that's what you, you're right, man. That's what you bring these people in for. And, and you've just got to stay aware of that and you've just got to trust the process and uh, you've got to be willing to sometimes go down those roads that you don't want to go. So, um, so yeah, that's a great point. So how do you sit your ego down in those scenarios? And I don't know if it's just because we're getting older and there's just different phases in life and you've just, I've just been through shit, man. But like, for me, first of all, I do a lot of therapy. Okay. And I don't know how people feel about therapy. If shit's going great in my life, I, I don't care. If I look at my therapist as like 
a coach, right? Um, and I was forced into therapy years ago when I went through a, a divorce and I had to break up my family and I didn't want it. She chose it and it was really hard on me. And I decided to just do the work, man. I did five years of therapy and awareness is one of the best gifts I got from that. And it really came from practicing my thoughts. You know, there was this method I learned uh, from the therapist called the ABC method. And the A stands for activating event. And, you know, that's when we feel like anger, like something sets us off. We have to go back. And he gave me these worksheets. And I did this for literally five years, man. I would go home every night for the first three years. And I would write down what was the activating events that happened today? Okay, what was the initial belief? And I would write down what was my initial belief that caused me to get set off by this activating event. And then what was the consequence? That's what C stood for. What was the consequence of that event? So it could have been even something personal, man. Like, oh, I got pissed off today because my you know, ex-wife told my kids something that I didn't like about me, blah, blah, blah. So I had to go through and, and I had to like digest this ABC method. But then there's the D and the E. Okay. And now I, now I get the opportunity to dispute that initial belief. Okay. And, and write out like, what was the story I was telling myself and, and what would I change about that? Okay. Well, I'm going to dispute that initial belief because sometimes we get pissed off or set off because we believe some bullshit that really isn't true. And so this exercise gives you the ability to do that. And so I practiced it for years, man. And what I, and, and then the E by the way, is what is the effect, right? So, okay. Now that you've chose a different, I guess, belief, you know, you've, you've kind of disputed the initial belief, like, well, I didn't like what she was telling me because I thought she was telling me like, basically my, my kids weren't respecting me and I don't want my kids to not respect me. And so, you know, that pissed me off. And then I took that anger out on her and blah, 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 blah. Right. You go down this whole thing, but really I can dispute that belief and be like, maybe she's telling me that. And it's given me an opportunity that I could show up better for my kids. And maybe she's right. Maybe I could be better in this area and that area. And so now I disputed that whole belief. What's the effect that that has over me? And so by practicing that over years, man, like I really developed an awareness. Um, and so it's kind of one of my gifts now since I did practice it. And I'm able to kind of really kind of be aware of when I am being egotistical and when I'm not just letting go of something because I want to be in control. And so I'm, I'm just able to use that because of the practice that I did in that area. One of the other things that he taught me was what questions first, why questions? See, why questions are very victimy. If you get diagnosed with something and you're told the doctor tells you that you're ill, you're like, why me? Or you could ask a what question. Okay, well, what can I do with the time that I have left on this earth? Like what's more powerful? What's more productive? Okay. Like you're having a, a dispute with one of your business partners or an employee or whatever. It's like, why is this always happening to me? Like, why don't they respect me? Why, how can I, why can't they see things my way? Okay. Or what is it in me that, or what is it that I can change in me to get more aligned with this, with this person? What can I do to start seeing things a little bit more their way and then get them to understand my way. Right. And so those are more productive questions or what questions versus why questions, you know? So I practiced that over all these years as well. So that helps me stay in that awareness mode. Awesome, man. I love that. So I know you touched on a couple of the ways that apply to this, but I'd love to know like what you actually do to take care of yourself, yeah. anything else that you do to actually carry the weight of the crown and also balance the business and family at the same time now. Yeah, well, one of them is exactly what we just talked about, man. My mental health is more important to me than anything, 
unfortunately for me, because dude, I, I struggle, bro, being consistent with the gym. I'm a foodie. I love to eat. I love to indulge. I love to, you know, all that stuff. Right. But unfortunately your physical body does coincide with your mental health too. Right. So your mental health and your physical health really coincide. And so I force things that I don't want to do. I hire a trainer. And I pay him very well. He's the top trainer in our, in, our, in our city. He's the most expensive trainer in our city. So he helps me stay accountable on my physical health. Okay. Like, dude, I don't, if, if I leave it up to just me, I won't go to the gym. I will, I will sell myself why I can stay in bed or not, or skip a day and do all that bullshit. Right. So I hire people to help hold me be accountable uh, or hold me accountable. So that's one thing that I do because that has a direct effect on my mental health. My mental health, I see my therapist every single month. I see a marriage therapist once a month with my wife, and I see my therapist once a month for myself, okay? And I do that because it's like my workout for my body. It's like my workout for my brain, okay? Like a really good therapist, a good like psychotherapist, because I love like being more in control of my brain than just being controlled by, you know, my brain, you know, like I, I don't want to be controlled. I don't want to just be weak to, you know, thoughts and things like that. I want to control it. And so I go to therapy, man. And, and a really good therapist, they don't tell you how to live. Okay. They don't tell you how to fix your marriage. They don't tell you how you should be or what's wrong with you. That's not what they do. People think that about therapy. What therapists do is they use data and they ask really good questions to help you discover what's needs to be worked on with you, not necessarily what's wrong with you, but what needs to be worked on and what needs to be improved. And when you figure it out yourself because of the questions that they ask you and you have those epiphanies, guess what? It doesn't just go in one ear and out the other. It sticks with you. And then you can actually execute the things that matter the most that you learn in there. And it's not from them just saying, hey, I'm this great therapist and I'm going to tell you what you need to do differently. They just ask the right questions for you to figure it out so it actually works. And so those are the things that I do, man. I force it. I, I, hire, I hire these experts and I show up and I do the work and that's it. I do it physically and I do it mentally. And it helps me be a better business owner, a better employer, a better partner, a better husband, and a better father. It helps me in all those areas because if one of those areas is off, it affects all of them. And I, and I still go through ruts, man. We're all human. And as long as you've got the humility to just get back to the work, be like, man, I'm in a rut. You know, something's off. Okay. Well, I haven't been seeing my therapist. I haven't been going to the gym. I have been sleeping in. I've been watching TV at night. I've been geeking out on my devices too long. Like you've got to be able to be honest with yourself to get back to what works for you to be your best self. And so for me, I hire those type of experts. I also got coaches in other areas, man. I got a marketing coach. Um, I've got um, I've got the trainer. I've got the mental coach. I've got a business coach that calls me just to check in and help hold me accountable, make sure things are running smoothly there. And I just barely hired a speaking coach, you know, to help me craft some better presentations so that I can be completely confident when I step on stages. And so, man, I hire coaches all the time, you know, I, like, in my, in my, in my belief is like, no one's better than anybody on this earth. They just, they all, someone just makes better choices to be further along than you in certain areas. And so if I see somebody further along than me, like I want to, I want to learn from them, you know? So I'm, I know I'm never going to have it all figured out. I'm not, I don't have a God complex, man. I believe in God and I believe that uh, we're never going to be God, you know, like 
So I, I want to just learn and, and serve the best that I can on this earth for my children, my, my people, my community, my employees, like all those areas. And so I force myself to stay consistent by hiring coaches because I already know if I leave it up to just me, I won't. And so that's how I carry the weight of the crown, my man. Awesome, man. Let me just say I both respect and appreciate the just vulnerability in that answer. That's very powerful. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. You ask great questions, dude. You're doing a great job. Um, I, I spent a little time uh, on your Facebook profile learning a little bit about you because I did. I love when young people are coming out and 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 they're putting themselves out there. And and, and it's not easy, man. Like we live in a lot of fears, of fears of judgment, and you know, fears of uh, you know being critiqued, and you know, like you know, we we live with a lot of insecurities, especially when we're younger. So I love seeing young guys like you putting yourself out there interviewing people that might be further along than you and then sharing that with your with your community and your listeners and like if people would just be more willing to put themselves out there just can just tap into that courage like you've done trey like dude they're gonna go so much further and so i love what you're doing man you know you have courage you have commitment you know it's gonna equal competency and you're gonna be an expert in in whatever you take on because of that courage and it's gonna serve you very well, man, and serve people around you. And so I'm proud of you, dude. And I love that you're doing what you're doing. Wow, man. I I really appreciate that. Uh yeah. what is the best way for people to see more of you and get involved with you? Yeah, go follow our account, man. Go follow the real business owners on Instagram. Um, you can go to killgoodman.com. It's got links to all of our uh, real business owners, Facebook, everything. It's got links to easier accounting, 60-day credit repair, all of our companies, our real business owners mastermind, if that's the right fit for people. Uh, but yeah, dude, if they want to, if they want to listen to Trev and I, you know, go listen to the podcast, you know, um, if they want to connect with us on, on Instagram, we don't have somebody just running our account for us. Well, we do actually now we have Corey, who's our head of marketing here, but if like we we still jump in there and do all the dms he does the posts and we and he does the writing but we do all the dms um so facebook you can go to my personal one it's just kill goodman uh, my my personal instagram is kill greatman um so anyway yeah they can connect with us on any of those man so and it's all it's all on killgoodman.com all of it's there so just go to killgoodman.com and check it out awesome man i appreciate that and i think even in that there was one last lesson for people that is actually something that I teach my clients as we're automating things and delegating things is you never really want to completely give up your DMs or you will lose that human touch and people will stop actually connecting with you. That's true. Very true, man. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't think anything will ever replace the human, the human element, man. Like, you know, we try to automate so much and automation is great, but the actual communication, the more you can do authentically and personally is, is, is going to take you very, very far. Now I can't talk to everybody and every, I don't know who all of our customers are, you know, we have thousands of customers. And so, um, so yeah, I have people in place to service our customers, but if they ever need to get escalated to me, like they can, and my team knows that. So, um, so yeah, no matter how big you get, you got to be willing to, to communicate with, with anybody at any level. So I love that, man. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Dude, thank you, man. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to, 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 you know, share this, this, uh, your space with you, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in for another episode. 
Make sure that you subscribe to the show so you're never left out in the snow. Do you want to build a business or get more customers online? Are you tired of spending all your time shackled to your business? Tired of being treated like the court jester? Not anymore. You can get a care package from Trey today for just a buck that will help you beat shiny object syndrome with Trey's favorite tool list. Build your online authority and network with your own podcast and by being interviewed on other podcasts. Systemize your business with Trey's seven pillar system. Hire a VA to get your time back and so much more. You heard me right. All of that for less than the last Starbucks you got. Go to TreyCarmichael.us and get yours while it's hot. Check the couch for that dollar if you gotta.